13th floor. The 13th floor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. <laughs> we didn't even get it started yet, man. <laughs> I am your moderator, P. Jones. And we got Mike D on the podcast. What's so funny, Mike? <laughs> nah, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's residual funny. Residual funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We got our main man, Coach K. What up? What's happening? We got the lovable Refresh DJ Barry B. Fresh. What's happening, baby? Back like I never left. Always here. Hope y'all ready. It's going to be a great show today. Excited. And our resident alpha man coming out here showing all the true colors. We got Mr. Logistics, BJ, what's going on? Hey, everything's good, baby. Let's go. Yeah, man. You say you just got back in the house, man. It was a long night, huh? Bro, we ain't even having that conversation. <laughs> Let's keep it, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Oh, uh, we got to hey, stop man, I, recording. <laughs> I got to get it in, man. I miss you guys, man. It's been a long week, bro. I miss you guys. Glad to be yeah. back, on the, uh, back on the podcast, man. Talk about some things. Uh, this this new job, man, is kind of crazy, man. It's been hectic, especially balancing all of the pressures at work with everything you got to deal with at home and stuff. So it just feels good to get back on here with my guys, man. Agreed, uh, no doubt, it, no doubt. It is amazing how the whole time we were sitting ready, getting ready to start, Asher had nothing to say. He was sitting there quiet, not really touching anything. Now that we have started, fired up and ready to go. He said, I got to talk to the people. Right. That's all that is. You know exactly what it is. Get him, Asher. No, Asher, don't get him, man. We can't revert to what we was dealing with a year and a half ago, man. <laughs> He's supposed to be wrong. Use your words, man. Use your words. Look like but, you who you say. talking to, dude? <laughs> 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 hey, I don't, I don't run with all of that play on Just like your dad or daddy, man. But anyway, man, yeah, man, the pressure, man. Um, You know, starting a new job trying to learn as much as I can, as fast as I can. Uh, the project management scene is just crazy, um, especially with some of the stuff we got going on. And in them days, man, you go from a comfortable position, uh, working, you know, your regular eight, nine hours or whatever, whatever happened at work, stays at work, come home, you know, you can get into your groove here or whatever, you know, t- handle the kids, handle the wife or whatnot. But now it's like- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Handle the wife. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't gonna touch that one. Yeah. I just, yeah. I was not gonna touch that one. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to help you, just in case if you wanted to clean that up. Just right. to- it's, it's it's still early, man. I mean, you know, I got my tea here ready. You know, right. um, it, it is the first five minutes of the podcast, so it came early. Like <laughs> 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 deeper in it. Oh, rewind. <laughs> but you know, give the wife what, what what time she is due, and you know, spend the time with the kids, making sure you know Nia has you know opportunity to tell us about a day get through homework and stuff um but you're getting pulled in so many different directions man as the father as the husband man um you know it's crazy and then sometimes you just don't feel like you have outlets like i remember at one point during the week i was just like yo i gotta cut my phone off like i don't want to talk to anybody and i think i was in the gym for like 15 minutes just trying to get that get a run in uh because you just feel like you know you got to do everything for everybody else you know you feel like you I, i needed that time for myself or whatnot. So, man, yeah, definitely want to get into that, man. Just the pressure of, of all the roles you tend to take on as a man in your household from child on up. Yeah, and, and I don't even know if it's just as a man. Like, uh, look, I'm going to put it out there this week. 
I think as a black man um, that's trying to do everything, be a professional, be a father, uh, be a son, all of those things together, it's just like, when when is that pause? When do you get that break? When do you get that time to build back up your energy? It's almost like you're, you're constantly being drained. Sure. Uh, I think we have a little bit more that we're conscious of on a day-to-day basis than a non-black male that we have to worry about, um, which we can get into the particulars of that as we go through. But um, you're absolutely spot on, man, especially when you start moving up in your career, your profession, or in your entrepreneurial endeavors, that pressure becomes just so much more. Um, and, you know, I, everybody on here is, is dealing with some form of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll just open it up and, you know, let the rest of the guys talk about on it while I look at Asher over here who is printing stuff on my printer right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a constant pressure. I mean, I think, you know, it depends on how your family situation is. You get the break there or when you're another, you know, like-minded gentleman like this group. I mean, that's kind of when you get to relax, but any other time, you constantly on. I'm not saying like you got to be like it's a different persona, um, but you constantly are in thought about, you know, how you're being portrayed, the particular stereotypes that can come from your actions, depending on what group you are, depends on what type of language you're using. So you got your professional language, you got your, you know, your verbiage when you're with your boys, but you're out in an atmosphere where it's just six black people in a restaurant full of whites. Um, and then you got to react to the different way when they come up and give you the, hey, you guys seen Black Panther? Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yes, colonizer. I did see It's a certain way that you can respond. You're like, all right, I don't want to be an angry black man right now. But, you know, you're constantly on. You're constantly thinking about it. It's not really a time, even when you're driving by yourself. I mean, depending on what community you in the hood, all right, good. I know I could drive, had the music up a little bit, but as soon as you cross them city boundaries and you know you can get that ticket and look out front of the police, you get on point real fast. I think it's- like code switching. <laughs> yeah, it's it's magic how, how we can adapt so easily and so unconsciously, right? Like literally that go from work, being the work guy, come home, the, during work, you you have a conversation with you know your homeboys. Total different conversation than what you're talking to about people at work. Come home, you have to deal with daddy stuff and how you're speaking with your children and how you're speaking with your spouse. That the way that we're able to go in and out of all these different personas that are still directly us, it's crazy, and it's 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 always comforting to have you know a group like us where I can have those moments of understanding that, you know, it's issues we all face, that it isn't something that is, you know, personal to my story or my narrative, but it's kind of this space that we are in that, you know, it's it's the times that we're in, what's going on, that we all have these different hats that we have to wear constantly each day. And they're always tweaked. And just because it was good, one day this way, it doesn't mean the next day doing the same thing is going to yield the same results. Right. Uh, funny thing. Go ahead. Go ahead, BJ. I said the funny thing about it is it's one of those subconscious things that you're not directly taught, but we've observed it and been put in situations because I, I, I listen to all the experiences we've even shared about our childhood and coming up and all the stories I know we haven't even shared yet. But when you're put in situations um, from youth, all the way up to today and time, um, 
the subconscious state you go in that it's not it's like driving you don't think oh i have to you just drive home nowadays all right when you first started driving though you had to think oh watch it watch the speedometer watch this watch that look out for it's, it becomes a habit so what what i i use the word code switching but that's what i was introduced to the term a couple years ago like you really know that's subconsciously what you do because you're put in a situation you understand that you're being looked at you're being evaluated you're being judged on a different level by your actions by your words um in every single scenario that you go to so without even thinking about it you we do it um and it's being that chameleon in every situation that you have to be in but in order to rise like Kay was saying um you realize that there are some things that you just have to do with some situations that you have to do with it. Yeah, man, uh, ex exactly. I mean, I was gonna say the same thing. I was gonna go back to Fresh's point about adapting. Um, you just have to do it. And I mean, sometimes I think where a lot of the pressure comes from because I mean, me personally, I always feel like there's always something that I, I, I just have to do it. Like I can't really worry about how it's making me feel at, some, at, at this point in time, it just needs to get done. Uh, and then the adapting portion of it, I give you a, a perfect example with my daughter. Um, I had to really, really adapt how I disciplined her um, because I saw it manifesting in detrimental ways. Um, there was one time where she did something absolutely ridiculous and without any caution, warning or anything, I literally just snapped her up, snatched her up and you know whooped her behind, um, similar to what my mother would do to me in, in those cases. I noticed that after that point, her interaction with me was completely different. And it wasn't a good thing. Um, Nia is very sensitive as a child. Got scared of you. Exactly. And that's the last thing. I want that respect. I don't want that scaredness. So I had to really walk it back. I had to have several conversations with her um, because at, for a period of time, I could just give her a simple direction and it's just tears, like just crying for no reason and it's not even like I'm yelling or anything I'm just saying hey go pick your clothes up and put them back in your room tears out of nowhere and so that adapting portion man like that pressure as a father like I can't raise my daughter to be scared of me or to be that submissive to any man in any situation so I really had to walk that back I think that's one of the most important things parents need to do is you always need to no matter how small they are explaining to a child what they did wrong than what you expect of them always is key. Too many, I think all of us grew up in the households where you messed up and you didn't even know that you necessarily messed up. You just know all of a sudden you got a backhand or or you was getting a whipping or you were on exactly. punishment. She had no and everything. In <laughs> sorry, mama. Sorry, mama. Yeah, I don't know what I did. That, uh, you're scared where you need to speak to your children and let them understand and know. I just went off. Well, I didn't go off on her, but I told my daughter last night, stop going in getting something from the cabinet or you know uh uh the last rice krispie treat is exactly what it was and, <laughs> and the funny thing is i can remember being a shorty and doing that all the time you know what i mean but i i went now to have that conversation with her and and you know break in and on the room so it's like oh let's go hey i need you to stop going in there taking the last of something and leaving that empty box that's what i need Thank you. She looked at me, scared at first, kind of startled, like, oh, snap, what did 
I let her know. She, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna make sure. I'm, I'm positive she's not going to do it the next time mm-hmm. that she takes something out. It's gonna take a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I would prefer to have that conversation than if I just ran in there and punched her in the face or something, you know, or, or hey, it's outside. <laughs> America, I did like, not punch her in the face, I, I promise yeah. <laughs> America, America. like I did that two hours ago. She doesn't even remember grabbing the Rice Krispie treat. So if I would've just came in there going off on her, she would have had no clue. It would have been about my dad is an evil SOB <laughs> as opposed to, okay, you know what? That does make sense. I'm just being lazy. And that's another thing. I always tell her, stop being lazy. You know mm-hmm. why you did that? You're lazy. You have to, you know, if you get those um, points embedded in their head so that they start to hear, just like you hear your parents um, from back in the day when you're about to do something foolish, you kind of hear them in your head. Like, mm-hmm. don't you touch, don't you do that. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing that you try to, and ex- explaining you owe them that as your children you owe them that of explaining and trying to um help them better understand and navigate because a lot of times it's just that they didn't know or they were just trying to figure out something new or experience something new and had no clue yeah it's just a different environment i mean you can't like if you hit them all right but it don't it doesn't do anything so you gotta have a conversation and even the dj's point about not teaching them like i found myself actually having to teach the three, but especially Michael about what it means to be black in an environment because, you know, we've taken them out of the neighborhood where you kind of get those informal interactions. So for them, I mean, they, they see their color, but they don't understand it. And then as they get older, you know, the race card starts to play itself out middle school once you get to high school. And you got to make him conscious. Like, look, man, you a black dude. Like, it's, it's going to be things that's going to happen as you get older to where you got to be careful about who you get in the car with. You got to be careful about what you say. You got to truly be careful about when stuff get thick. It, the police ain't getting, uh, you know, Bobby and Becky. They coming for Michael. When you, so, you are you are always going to be the first suspect. Yeah. And that's the, the and it's the same issue I face with my daughter that, yeah, we don't live in the neighborhood, you know? And so yep. she get those same interactions with the hood and, and get to see and understand, you know, how that dynamic moves and the comfort of feeling that she is viewed in the same light as her um, non-African-American friends, that it's always understand that when, when, when the ish hits the fan or there is trouble, you are going to be, regardless, the first person that they assume was the one who headed it. It doesn't matter. So you have to move with a different sort of caution and you have to always have your eyes open. I always try to make her, her be aware, like I not and, and just, you know, know who's coming in the room. Don't always just be on your phone, you know, just those little things of trying to, you need to know what's going on, listen to what your friends say, see how they act with you and really what they do for you as opposed to just letting them tell you anything they want and and all of that good stuff that there's a lot, it's a complex society that we live in and an interesting game that we have to play on a daily. Go ahead, I say you also got to teach them, you know, what can get you knocked out in the hood. Because yes. you, you, you up here, you say certain words, you go in the wrong neighborhood and say something like, mm, 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 mm. Oh, well, they got you. Right. They going to get you. Yeah, so that's always on me about, well, you always ask us what this means when we saying it in this song. Like, okay, because you're just repeating stuff that you heard in the song. But if you're going into the, you know, down to wherever your cousins live or something like that, you want to start repeating the song, people going to start asking you certain questions. Do you actually know what's, what that means? And, yep. Yeah. <laughs>
My job is a parent to make sure you don't get knocked out because ain't no conversations in the hood. Making sure they're conscious, make sure they're um, they ready. But I, I stated what Ian just said that it was even back in around Christmas time. We were out Christmas shopping for like family members, thing like that. Or uh, we went to the we happened to be in like some some store to sell toys or whatever. Um, and the funny thing about it is like my kids, even though they don't pick up their own stuff at the house, like I stay on them. Like when we go to the store, they always trying to. They see something on the floor. Or they see something, they want to pick it up and put it on the shelf. So it, it, I had to have the conversation with my boys. They're like, "Look, um, there was something. So one of the popular toys that was out there then. Um, so you know, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was looking for it, whatever. But there was one that was broke and piece of it was on the floor. Like a piece of it was like came in like package of like two or three pieces within it. And one of the things was on the floor. So my boy picked it up. He was walking around trying to find somebody to give it to, like to work in the store. And I'm like, okay, stop right now. Yeah. Think about where you're at. And I had to walk it through him and he just didn't understand. I'm like, look, you're gonna be, the perception is that either you broke this or you are trying to steal this. And I hate to have that conversation with him, but I had, I needed to. You have like, to. When you, when you see things like that, I know you're trying. I know what you're trying to do. I saw you, um, but you just need to leave it alone and don't touch it. Because they had to walk through a scenario. So if a store employee came around the corner right now and saw this with your hand, what are they gonna think happened? And he stopped for a minute and said, "That I broke it." I like great. So you understand what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. But also, when you're trying to take with somebody, the next thing they're gonna think is you're trying to walk out the store with it. Yep. You're gonna be viewed as the in a negative position. Unfortunately, in most of the scenarios you're going to be in, and you have to think ahead about all of the all the possibilities. So the best thing to do is leave it and then go. If you're going to go find somebody, go find them and tell them. But don't put yourself in a situation where you have to be questioned because then I know him. He gets when somebody confronts him, he gets like nervous, yeah. nervous, and that that looks even worse. But he's yeah. not thinking about that. He's just he's trying to be helpful. People in jail today because the questioning process made them too nervous and, and put them in a position of just, I'm so nervous and scared, I'm just gonna say I'm guilty so I can get this to stop. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> I saw you change the name, that's why I was I've like- I've been trying to go. talk for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Between the four of y'all, you should, you should just start it. Oh, oh, oh. Exactly. Just between the four of y'all, go ahead and do your thing, man. Don't be hating on us because your son over there taking up all your shine. We let <laughs> Asher take your my time. So I want to go all the way back to uh, something that Brett said. Brett said that when Nia was doing something, he snatched her up the way that his mom would have snatched him up. Yep. Right. So what I just heard there was, look, the, the ratio that we have on this podcast right now, we probably got about two out of five that actually had their dad in the home consistently growing up, right? So that's Ian and um, and BJ. Mm-hmm. The other three of us, we consistently had our father in the house, mm-hmm. right? If if at all, mm-hmm. absolutely, right? And when you look at it what Brett's mom had to do, she had to be a father figure trying to reach out mm-hmm. to Brett, trying to connect with him, which is why she had to snatch Brett up 
because she was doing what a dad would have typically done, right? So Ian, I know your dad, like you would have ate the last Rice Krispie treat and he would have won the different one. He might've punched you in the face. <laughs> uh, very, very, very strong possibility. It'll probably right. be the best. Right. never mess right. up. I mean, like, like, so like he wasn't even my dad. And when I first met him, I felt like he was gonna punch me in the face if I did something wrong. So as a matter of fact, he might punch a stranger in the face. I know for a fact he'll punch a stranger in the face for doing something wrong. But, <laughs> Really, <laughs> the whole point there is, is that now that you look at Brett now and even me, so what I'm going through right here with Asher sitting on my lap and now him over there pulling on the door to the office, those aren't things that I experienced growing up with my father. I did and this is how my father responded, right? So for Brett with Nia, he doesn't have an example of what his father would have done in that situation. Mm. So again, oftentimes, there's additional pressures that people don't understand and recognize of every single moment I have with my son is a brand new experience in fatherhood because I don't have that example before me. Wow, that's deep. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that, that that's exactly where I wanted to go next about what you aren't taught in growing up um, because that's a perfect example, man. Um, and I'm really thankful that Mr. Millender, my quote, I guess, father-in-law, not married yet, but damn near, uh, he's here with us now. He's married. <laughs> yeah. he, uh, he's so nurturing because he had one, two, three, four daughters, or he has four daughters, and I think he had two before he had his son. So his interaction with Nia, and now I'm seeing with his older, now grown children, has really imparted upon me the importance of that nurturing aspect. And I know it's probably a shame that I took more notice of it when I saw the example versus Chris telling me and me thinking, all right, I am doing this, I am doing this. But seeing it and then putting it into action has made a world of difference. Yeah, that's, but I mean, that's that's life, right? If you, I know me personally, I'm a visual learner. I'm not a, you could give me a thousand books and I'm gonna I'm a take forever trying to just read them and do all that. But if I if I see it, I can literally probably get it figured out in five minutes. Like I'm just that type of person. And the ability to to especially see something that you're not used to um, feeling in a sense or or, or or having to execute to see it in motion, and especially see it in motion from somebody who you already feel like okay. I, I know my father-in-law is a good dude and I know he's a dude's dude and I know, you know, like he's the type of dude I'd want to be. So to see him still be able to, you know, get down and, and, and have a tea party with, you know, my daughter, like that's eye-opening and, and being able to, uh, you know what, it's okay to be soft and, and to, you know, treat your baby girl like a baby girl and to want right. to be a teddy bear and to, you know, sit there and, and play with dolls if that's what she's interested in in order to build that bond but also show that, there's no limitations to what you can or can't do and not to feel like there is that box that's around you or there is that way that you have to, you know, act like this or be like this. And that's the end all be all. I love my babies. I ain't getting no makeup put on though. <laughs> <laughs> we line right there. You know, like you never got your nails done though. You no. going to tell me they never painted them nails on you one time. Oh, uh, we gave the chop chops for that. We, we, I'm, I, I'm right there with you, Mike. Nia came at me with that jump one time when she was younger, and it just brought me back to a point in my my childhood. And uh, like I, I had like babysitters or whatever, and my mom was in makeup, and I had makeup put on me. My mom would slap off, wow. and 
slap off. And I was younger. I ain't know no better the, uh, who who was watching me at the time. Like it was just a thing to do. Yeah. So, my mom came home and seen that junk on my face, man. It, it was it was similar. It wasn't similar to that Lucius um, scene in Empire. I ain't get thrown in the trash can. Yeah. But the fire in the eyes. Yeah. Like, solidified it for me. It was like, no, that's not happening. So I can't get my nails painted with you. Yeah. But we can definitely go to the nail shop and I'll get a Manny Petty. You know what I'm saying? We can do that all day. You can put the clips in my hair. That's about You know, that's right funny because that's a, um, while it's not makeup, but you know, there's a big, um, I don't want to say stereo. I don't even, what, what do you call it? Uh, but pretty much they say that the only way that you can be a black man to really make it uh, in Hollywood is you have to put on a dress. And they literally started going down the line, like Martin Lawrence, um, just all these different guys who, at some point in their career, put on a dress. Even Kevin Hart was. Um, he was on Saturday Night Live with it. Yep, yep. Where it's a very interesting. Uh, but what's the common denominator in all of those actors? In what well, sense? So, so from, for the most part, it, it's surrounding comedians, black yes, comedians. Yes, that's what it was. That's what it was. Um, but I mean, it has spilled over into if you were in a comedy as a black male, it might be something they they may actually do. Look at Tu Wong Fu, right? So Wesley Snipes. I hated that. I hated to see Wesley Snipes in that movie. Still, yeah, absolutely, right. And the bottom line is that was one of the things, one of the main reasons that Dave Chappelle was just like, I'm I'm out, I'm done, because that was what was next for him. They wanted him to do that, and he said, I already told you guys that I will never do that. And they're like, well, this is what we want you to do. And he's like, nope. So, I mean, that's that's a whole another podcast topic, the demasculation of, of the black male. Because um, that, that's that's a big, big, big topic. Huge topic right now. Yeah. And I mean, before the podcast started, we were talking about uh, what jeggings and... and yep. Capris and all capris the other... Open toe shoes. <laughs> I'm not wrong with no open toe shoes. I wouldn't wear them. Hey, six. Hey, certain situations call for you to put on some sneakers. Hey, absolutely. Every situation can call for sneakers. In my <laughs> <laughs> I want to see sneakers to the beach now, Jack. Hey, I wish hey, with it. The beach. That's what I, that's I get there. <laughs> nah, man, what you do, you just put your socks on with your sandals, man. You good to go. Play hey, your status. Yeah, if I do socks and sandals, I'm wearing the black socks that come all the way up to the knees. Touch socks. <laughs> I'm going to rock the old man. Wow. <laughs> with the harachis. <laughs> hey, but what I don't want to get away from, so we've been talking about this from the standpoint of being um, fathers, but there's so much more involved with it, especially for those. And, and even now, like, you find times where your parents may have stayed together because you were there, right? Because you were there. And um, they separate after you're done. So that's like an Ian situation, not to put Ian's business out there. But Thanks. Uh, what, what, what I really want to talk about is <laughs> the, the pressures of even being a son, right? So if you're a son in a house where there's no father, you pretty much become that man of the house. And that man of the house continues even after you are gone. Correct. Right. So and, and that creates pressures. Another set of pressure for you now with your relationship, because your mom may still be depending on you and yeah, it, reaching out to you because you were that man of the house. Well, I will say that that pressure extends regardless if it was a single or 
the what once your parents split regardless if your mom is living by no, herself that's, that's why i started yeah. out with you first and put your business out there yeah thanks thanks and i did appreciate that america <laughs> um <laughs> but definitely that even right now that is a constant conversation of well why are you doing this and why you know well how come Especially. she can't just do that or why and this is this Especially is with your lady <laughs> what, what once your lady comes in the picture too silly that's when it hits ahead. Yep, yeah. yep. And trying to figure out, I, I can't, uh, what do you mean? I can't say no to my mama. At the end of the day, it's, and I totally understand what you're saying. And I think it's, what she's asking me is just as crazy as you do, but it's my mama. Like, what am I supposed to do? Please yep. tell me. <laughs> yeah. So we'll yeah, come back it. to, we'll come back to the ladies, I think, to wrap it all up. But to, to hit on that pressure and what you you feel as that man in that situation. Like I was in that situation when my parents split. Um, I had my, my father in the house up till I was about maybe 10, I think it was. Um, but when they did split, you know, and almost unbeknownst to us, um, that pressure extends beyond just me as the older sibling and to be that man of the house. Um, you know, you, you're supposed to be the example, which I, you know, tried to live up to be. Um, my dad instilled a lot of things such, such as discipline in me. My mom, you know, didn't play the radio. So, you know, you had a straight and narrow path that you had to walk. You know, if, and if I got outside of that and got caught, <laughs> you had to deal with the consequences. <laughs> but extension beyond just me, my younger brother also feels that pressure because he had me as an as the example, star athlete in high school, A student or whatever, and he's four years behind me. No, he needed his father in the household and just didn't have him. Um, he had father figures, but there's no replacing your actual father, especially when it's just a split. It's not like he was just absent completely and not knowing how to express that, not having anyone to kind of teach him how to express that and just being in a situation where I'm just gonna have to learn and do what I do. And watching how my mom handled me versus how she handled him. Like there was a certain level of resentment with that situation as well, because I don't think it, it wasn't to me fair at the time, but looking back at it and understanding, like she was the mother and she saw things that she, as a mother, you know, your children. And she knew what I needed and she kind of knew what he needed. And he eventually came into his own. But, you know, that absence of that male role model is it, it, big, it's huge. And it definitely sets up a lot of things that can go left or right for you down the line. No, you, you're right. And look, look, this rabbit hole is so deep, right? Because we talk about the father being absent or being inconsistent. And then that now trickles over into you as a husband or or significant other because you don't have that example once again of what a great relationship is supposed to look like. <laughs> and that's huge too, because I don't think I got that example until I, I think got I think that's college. one of the key points. And even just period, you don't necessarily have the example of what an adult is. You know what I mean? Like just the went what is that moment that you actually feel that you all of a sudden crack that threshold of when you were younger, you looked at people in their thirties and were like, yo, they're grown, they're adults, they're out of here. And now 
being in my 30s, almost 40s, it's like, I still feel like I'm 18. Like, I do not exactly. feel like I am some older entity and that I am so out of touch with everything. And that's the difference is, is the, you know, it's one thing I always say, if you don't understand that you're going to learn for your whole life, you don't understand anything. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, the, the, the feeling that you are going to have this just, you know, awe inspiring moment that all of a sudden now you went from child to adult is false. Like it is a constant learning process. Mm -hmm. There are things thrown at you that you are always, just when you think that you kind of got it sewed up, all of a sudden you're just like, what, wait, that was totally out of left field from, but I thought I put the pieces the way, and this was supposed to go and it just doesn't happen. So I think that's one of the biggest processes is that understanding that don't think that you were going to somehow lock this situation up. Life is a long lesson. You're not going to figure it out. You're going to continue to make it better and continue to um, figure out ways in order to, to, to make it more progressive. But there are no end all be alls for situations. Like stuff just arises that will throw you off, but it's how you react to them and how you can put yourself back in a place of, um, you know, good standing, I guess at the end of the day is really what's important. I think it was for me, like when you mentioned about trying to figure it out, I think as we were growing up, we had things that we could pull from. So you had Cosby Show, you had Living Single, you had 227, you had a different world. So at different parts, you can see how black males interacted with their family. You can see how black males interacted. And kind of, you were able to pick bits and pieces that fit you to shape who you were going to become as a black man. And then you were exposed to different things out. So it really wasn't one single thing. Like you took something from the pastor, you took something from the mosque, you took something from the music, and you kind of shaped yourself. And then you set out like, all right, well, I'm going to try and see how this works. So, you know, in different interactions and in different environments, you know, Wu-Tang Clan may be appropriate, whereas in other environments, you may need to be Cliff Huxtable or Theo Huxtable or Dwayne Wayne. So it was truly trying to, and I think now as kids are growing up, they don't have those same images that they can pull from. So we've been, as black men, we have to be the role models for them. I think that's the push and pull that you get. People are asking for mentors. Like we need more black men in these kids' lives because they don't see it anywhere else. It has to come from us. I disagree with you, Mike, uh, to, to an extent. I think they have way more examples on TV and media than we had when we were growing up. But the issue is that the examples they have now um, are so far out of, or what they think is out of reach for most of them because they don't understand how you get to that point. So you look at like a blackish where you have a father that has this exec job. You have a mom that has this, I don't even know what doctor. she is. She's a, she's a doctor, right? To, to a lot of our community, that's still something that's not achievable to them, right? And we know that's just a, a constraint of the mind, but they're not the shows on there showing you how you get to that point. And that's what's missing is that you, you have these examples, but people don't know how to get to them. Yeah, but, but I would think that's the same as if you look at the Cosby show. I mean, Cliff was a doctor and- yeah, And she but, was a lawyer. And, and, and that was, if you go back and look at what, people were saying about that show then they were saying that that was not reality 
So I think what they did is that's when they came up, which I think is similar to what's happening with Blackish, with the, I don't know, what's the Grownish or the other one. Grown-ish. But the offspring from the Cosby show was a different world. Right. They show how you actually get. So they talked about Hillman, Hillman, Hillman in the Cosby show. And then they created a show that basically was showing you Hillman. Right. Uh, but I don't think it's just so much Blackish. I think it's also music so like within culture for the younger ones they're looking at black men that got their pants down below their hamstrings that it's okay to wear you know lipstick and all the other stuff with a side purse and all, and you still claim to be a man like um so like russell westbrook like dude like i mean it's the it's the whole persona of the clothes that they're wearing to where it becomes a completely different understanding of what being a black male is. I mean, you even look at LeBron James, though. He'll throw on some funky stuff every once in a while. Um, and Russell Westbrook is a man amongst men on the basketball court. Like, yeah, ain't no taking nothing away from him. But that ain't really what I want to get on. So you mentioned... Yeah, still, yeah, he got to be just like... The way Wade does the same thing. I'm sorry, the emasculation of the black males are a whole nother podcast. Yeah, but, but I was going to say, man... Go go and look at some of them 70s outfits and come come back talking. Thank you. With the platform shoes like, and, man, and bell bottoms. My, my dad is what? one of what? the strongest black males in the world. What? When I look at all of the bands that Boogie he Nights? Wrong with <laughs> back in the 70s and was like, yo, I want to dress like out. that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Come on. Anyway, like, but 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 what I wanted to get to, and we'll, I, yeah, yeah, laugh at that, Mike. Taco me, Mike. Um, the gap between... The Cosby, <laughs> the Cosby Show and Blackish. Cosby Show is what, 80s, early 90s? Yeah. Blackish was like 2013, 2014. Yeah. You had Fresh Prince, early 90s. Yeah. The music changed in the 90s. The sh- TV changed in the 90s. So you started seeing Minister Society. Uh, Boys in the Hood, stuff like that became a lot more prominent. So that's what you're seeing on TV all the way up until now where you got love and hip hop everywhere and this, that, and the third where it's just these depictions of our people in less than flattering places or lights. But that's the culture. Like, that's what everybody's zoned in on or whatever. So you got that gap. But then you have the show like Blackish, what we mentioned, that is showing you what is attainable, what's really real. And this stuff, it's not as uh, uncommon as we may think it is because they have um, they have those uh, doctor shows or whatever. It's like, it's something that comes on VH1 or whatever, where it's like the black medicals or whatever. It's something similar to Love and Hip Hop, yes, the yes, reality yes. show. Right. They're, but, trust, but they're just as bad. They but, are but, just as bad. But, but here is the issue, right? Because we know of those few examples mm-hmm because we are living that life mm-hmm. so so we're actually going out there to identify i mean how many times have we just totally just trashed all those little um reality tv shows on a podcast oh, like, yeah. like that's not our thing but there are groups out there that that's their thing that's what they look forward to that's what their dvr is 80 percent of it's their soap opera right so so i'm gonna ask go ahead so I was going to say now you have that shift. So that's why I want to talk about the gap because the music change, everything, entertainment change. We still in that little low, but I think it's probably, it's just necessary for the culture, but the music is changing again. 
you know, Farrakhan said, put the message in the music. And that's what you're seeing now from artists like Two Chains or the Nipsey Hustles, even the Migos to a certain extent. Just bear with me. But even them to a certain extent, you know, they put certain things in the music to try to motivate, you know, the younger crowd. I'll give Meek Mill a better example. Jeezy, better example. And then you had the J. Coles and the Kendrick. So I feel like the culture is moving forward. Those examples are kind of there. It's really what you attach to and latch on to um, that kind of dictates it. BJ, what was your uh, what was your question? Well, I wanted to go back to the whole about the TV shows and then what's, what's being watched. Um, so I'll go back to the 80s, early 90s, copy show, Different World. And then I go to Blackers, because I'll be honest with you, I've never seen the show. I have no desire to watch the show at all. Um, from what I've seen of it, I wouldn't watch Blackest? it, period. Really? Yeah. I yeah. yeah. I, um, I've, only, I've only seen maybe an episode and a half. Yeah. So I'm, like I'm Is it because y'all just don't like Anthony Anderson? I don't know. No, the show, I, I well, Tracy Ellis Ross doesn't do anything for me, first of all. Like, as an actor, I just don't. She Jeez. is hilarious. We all have different opinions, though. Like from back, from back in the day, like there's there's just certain things and certain phenomenons that I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm not with it, and I don't watch TV. Sit down, watch TV like that, like sitcoms. It's hard, anyway. To, yeah, but, but my point was that I want to go back to the same thing. Go back to him. What Kay said the other other week ago, we looked at the statistics for Black Panther. How much of the popularity of Blackish is Black people watching it versus society as a whole watching it? When you look at the demographics still watch the Cosby Show, A Different World, and the people who actually sat down and watched the show and got and like was faithful every what Thursday night, Cosby Show came on. Yes, sir, Thursday night. Yeah, I I remember that today. Every Thursday night, Friday, that's what we was talking about at school, mm. and and I can't say. From my recollection, I went to a pretty mixed school, almost eh, probably 60, 40, 60%, eh, 60, 70% black. That's white because we didn't have much of the diversity in Cincinnati back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the black kids who was talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then as you got older, different worlds, just the black kids talking about it. It wasn't the whole school um, versus my daughter came home. And I had to go back to Black Panther. My daughter came home talking about the whole class was talking about it. And into it and talking about and kind of demographics like Kay was talking about. We look at the makeup of her class, that 30, that 30 to 35 percent is about what make up her class, but everybody in class has seen it. Um, but I go back to a blackish and what's make or who is making that popular, who is making who is actually sitting out watching that, but versus the music and the whatever you want to call it, the VH1 specials, the who this housewives of this and hip love and hip hop that like what we dedicate our time to and dedicate our minds to shapes what our young girls and young boys flourish to be. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think the population is, even though blackish may be great, again, personal choice, I don't think it's the a large population that's watching it and tuning into it, as is the music or those other TV sitcoms that are out there portraying the opposite side of what we're doing. I even go back to I had an issue when the, the, when Tracy Ellis Ross was on Girlfriends, and not that's not because of the reason why, but I hated that show mm-hmm. because the four black females that were on that show were successful in their in their own rights and and doing, but the one thing that was bringing down with relationships and promis- promiscuity. I didn't say that right. Promiscuity. Uh, promiscuity. 
around around and that that was the the detriment of their lives they couldn't just be successful black women in successful relationships growing successful families there always had to be some type of drama or a man bring them down or some other situation bring them down it couldn't just be flourishing so well listen so that show i guarantee you they could reboot that show right now and it would be one of the most popular shows on a mainstream network i believe that's the thing. Girlfriends was not on a mainstream network. I can't remember what that came on. I think it was CW. UPN. CW. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, they could put that out now on ABC or one of those networks, and I guarantee you'll be one of the most watched shows um, because that's just... that That's what it is now. You have so many women that um, are either single, divorced, mm-hmm. separated, whatever, and they're doing so well especially with the women's movement now, they're going to get a little boost. And I want to be clear, we're not saying that any of this is a bad thing, but right. what does it do for the culture overall? And what examples, again, are we setting? And, and we don't, again, we don't have that track record of working through our problems and our issues. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big thing because we just don't have that example. And I think that gets to the point of what we've been having this conversation about because we as black men got to understand that. So like as you, I want to say as you go out, you had your conversations, but you're trying to figure out, all right, well, what type of exposure does your significant other, do other people, do they have to an image of a black man? So are you a person that religiously watches those type of shows? Then I kind of got to understand how you perceive me as a black man. Either but I, I, don't, I don't think those shows, like we got to take it off of shows and music. Right. We got to be able to have a forum like this where we feel comfortable sharing with one another. Hey, this is what I have going on. What do anybody else experience that one? We got to normalize it because for all of us, we think it's just us going through it. That's what I appreciate about this group. Mm -hmm. We do that constantly. Right. Unless you open up fresh. We can't hear you. Um, And it's a good thing we can't hear you because you'd be cutting me off. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) unless you get to this point, and I would say that the majority of black males aren't comfortable talking about their issues to this level. And if you are, you talking to your homeboy that's in the same situation as you. Any any good advice, anyway? Very true. Y'all hear me now? You need to dump yes. that chick, man. That's what I've been trying to tell you. She ain't no good, brother. She ain't no good. <laughs> that's, that's taco meat Mike right there. Yep. Give me a number. Give me a number. I tell him. <laughs> I'm a grown man, dog. You can do what you want to. You a man. Yeah. Man, I well, ain't had that shit in my house. <laughs> I think that... Uh, you ain't got no house. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with BJ in the sense of even though I don't watch Blackish like that, I see how Taylor watches it. So I see how my daughter watches it and the impact in the same thing. You know, there are, there has to be the love and hip hops. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think one of the biggest things that frustrates me, I heard Sinbad talk about it, is like with, um, I think he said, what was the movie that Vanessa Williams and them, um, the Christmas movie. Uh, Soul Food. Soul Food, right? When it came so out, Christmas there was a bunch movie? of, Articles that were talking about how it was, um, what do you do with the number one black movie and like how it was such an anomaly and all this other stuff. And then like, where do we go from here and all of these other things, similar conversation they're having now with Black Panther. When it's a movie, 
it should be considered a movie. It's amazing that it was a, but I, I in a sense, kind of hate that that's the, the light. Like, it's just a great movie. They're great actors in the movie. All of that is what it is. But you still have people who need to categorize, like, we need to get to the even playing field of, this is all, this is TV, this is music, this is, like, they're, all parts have to be represented and there shouldn't be this um, spotlight so much on trying to only, man, the only TV shows we can have that show us in, you know, the most amazing light and striving to, to you know, we can't have no um, type of uh, hip hop or anything because we want to try to push this, this, you know, powerful, uplifting message. No, some of us do mess up. Some, a lot of us talk like this and, you know, go through those similar things that it needs to be seen, but there needs to be an evil playing field. Just we've been discussing of similar to how we do of the knowing that you are not the only one who goes through those crazy situations. You are not the only one who struggles. Even the people that you see that you are holding them up on these high pillars of being, you know, these amazing people, they've had a lot of the same similar struggles and issues that you've had and had to face a lot of the same things that you have in order to bring that level playing field of understanding how equal we all are. So I don't I don't think we disagree. I just think it just was packaged a little bit different. But in response, you said, I... I understand I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. The piece I want to bring back up though is that we're talking about how we interact with ourselves and around our friends, but also I I gotta bring it back to the full thing about the cold cold switching. So when my my biggest issue with some of those shows, I guess, is that the mainstream who's not looking like the people that are on the TV who are not that's the perception they have of the culture as a whole. So when you go back to the whole code switching thing, when you're at work or you're in an organization, whatever, and that's the perception, you're the anomaly. Mm-hmm. Oh, BJ doesn't act like that. BJ is the good black guy, or you don't talk like that, or all the all the things I, I've seen. Man, we all went to UM. How many folks did you come across? They're like when you actually had a conversation. They're like some way form of fashion it was like oh i didn't know black people could speak like this yeah. or black people could could do this so so it goes back to the whole thing so there's a time and a place and we understand that yes there are this is a portrayal of everyday life for whoever they're show they're showing on tv but there's also this side of life too and that's not understood uh, a lot amongst a lot of the mass outside. So it goes back to the whole having to be able to adapt. That if that if that's what you watch at your house, that's what you do. That's hey, your prerogative. Because a lot of people nowadays can understand that. Because I used to hate that whole conversation about um, TV makes people do this and makes people not to the extent it it influences. But, 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 but that's that's exactly what I what I wanted to say, BJ. Is that. Exactly. The, the life tutorial for our people needs to not be music and TV. 100%. I, I agree. I agree. It doesn't need to be. You can't get your, manual. You can't get your manual off TV and for music. And that's, that's, that's yeah. a portrayal of what everybody else is particular. So when when you're the anomaly in the, in the outside world or this, that, that brings back to the whole 
And I don't want to say, are you true to yourself? But I kind of go back to those first conversations we ever had on this podcast about who you are and what you need to be. Are you really being true to yourself? Or is that code switching just a necessary part to be successful in life in general because of being trying to be successful? Yeah, I agree. And that was my point when I was saying about the the TV and all that. It wasn't necessarily to those that understand that it's a TV show or it's a movie. But like when Blackish first came on, my first thought was, I don't like Anthony Andrews' character. And they were like, why? Like, because then I got to explain more. So it's like, if I'm a successful dude, then are they expecting me to have like a big old sneaker collection and all that stuff? Because now I got all this money. Like the most conscious dude on the actual Blackish show is the buffoon. So, so and here, look, here is the issue for the mainstream majority culture. Their TV shows are art imitating life. Mm-hmm. For us, our TV shows are lead to life imitating. It's it, right. It leads to life imitating art. Mm-hmm. Break so, that down for me, Kay. Break that down for me. Okay, I'll break it down for you. So, in other words, what you're seeing. For the, uh, I think Ian and I were in the same class where we talked about um, media and TV, music. Um, so what's for the majority culture is called high culture, right? Because that's what um, you see the most people doing, the most people, th- this represents them, right? So whatever movie, TV it is, it represents them. It is, it is based on how they are living life. Right for low culture, it's the opposite. It turns what you see on TV, social media. It is what we're trying to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so that's the difference. And you got to remember, at the end of the day, we don't own that many production companies. Yeah, we own some now, and we're doing some great things. But at the end of the day, it is controlled what actually makes it. Mm-hmm to the screen, what actually makes it on the airwaves, what what actually gets that play. So it, it's almost like a sense of programming mm-hmm. that's out there. It, it a thousand percent is. And I, I think it's because I always, I hate to feel that there's the sense of like with a blackish, I don't think that people are going to think that I have an amazing shoe collection from watching Blackish, and I'm a successful black professional. And while there might be some who do, I think that we get into this space, and when I say we, I mean we as a people, of feeling like, man, any little thing that isn't, you know, directly shining a beautiful light on us somehow is going to 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 put us into this weird dark space. And it's like, yo, but there are a bunch of successful. Uh, um, you know, African-American males who do have amazing shoe collections and they are just like him. And so it's, I, I think we try so hard to make, you know, to, to, to figure out some way to, you know, but it's not perfect. It's not putting us, you know, we're not kings and it's not Black Panther. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's <laughs> there are going to be, there has to be the, the conscious uh, um, crazy black man in the office. You know what I mean? Is he conscious because he's crazy or is he crazy because he's conscious? Who knows? Those are real realities. Like, those but are crazy really things. Here's the other thing, and here's what a blackish is hopefully driving if the right people are watching it. Right now, the conversations that they have around the yes. boardroom table in blackish, that is a HR nightmare yes. for most 
places today, right? Mm-hmm. And because can you get an example because I don't I don't know it. BJ man, I promise you, you need to just watch like two episodes of the show and you'll I change your mind. Your yeah, opinion will change That's, absolutely. Hey, listen, I don't was, get me wrong. I, I don't think there's anything hey, wrong BJ. with the show per <laughs> se, right? Like, don't get me wrong, BJ. Talk I feel mind. you on the Tracy Ellis yeah. Ross character. <laughs> Because that's just somebody that I wouldn't kick it with in real life. So it's hard for me to watch you. Really? On TV. That's so just cool. somebody. Listen, man. Nah, bro. No, nah. it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Interesting oh. fact. Go ahead. You're thinking about some of Tracy Ellis Ross's not at other all. She seems attributes. Ooh, I, I, even her mom, I think more so just because of her, based off her mom, I would, you know, be like, yo, you got to be decent person I'd be interested in treating I, I, it's not that I don't think she's a decent person she's just not a person that I would have a high tolerance for in my circle no nah, for me I mean I, I don't know Tracy from uh, <laughs> from, from girlfriends I really only know it from her Instagram I just thought she was funny and cool or whatever but go ahead with your what, what point you were trying to go no nah, so it, my point is gone I, I lost it <laughs> I was, you was talking about the conversation they're having around the boardroom oh, table. Oh yes, the conversation they're having around the boardroom. So can you give an example? Because I like, what does that mean? So for instance, they talk about things that black people do, right? And they talk about celebrating Juneteenth. Like that was something that was discussed at the boardroom. Yep. Like, hey, we're going to celebrate Juneteenth, and they were trying to understand. Well, oh, Juneteenth, what are you talking about? And they explained that whole thing. They're at work around the boardroom. Mm-hmm. It's, almost, right. it's almost to an extent where they'll say, uh, "So you, Dre, you don't like watermelon? You don't yeah. like fried yeah. chicken? Like they'll they'll yeah. hit the topics and make the points that are you know just that, like what we're, we're. What do you mean all black guys don't don't have an amazing shoe collection? You know what I mean? Right. Like that will be a topic that will come up on the show and they'll talk about it. But also they um, what was it? They talked about well, something well, that. But, but let me ask you guys. So to talk about Juneteenth, you got to acknowledge slavery. How many exactly. of you ever had a conversation about slavery at work? True. That's how many true. black folks know about Juneteenth all, all around? Period. So, yeah. Period. That's true. But too. that's that's I'm, what. Sorry. That's, 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 a, what, that's a mute point. Sorry. Yeah, but that's also <laughs> to me though why I enjoy a show, even though I'm just not. There's too much stuff out there for me to feel that I really like. There are very few things that I say on a weekly basis. I am, you know, sitting down and tuning in like it was back in the 80s and 90s. Like there is way too much media to consume for me to feel that there I can consistently do that anymore. I just feel like Mm -hmm. there's stuff coming from everywhere. But I will say with shows like Blackish, even with shows like I... I love love and hip hop. I love Cardi B. I don't I don't watch it on Cardi. a consistent basis, but I still love and respect them showing art. It is turned into soap operas, but I still respect and love seeing, you know, black people doing things. And I don't I don't I don't need it to always be that they are, you know, focused on getting in Congress and about to, you know, try to change the world. I, I am okay with understanding and seeing the ratchet side of people and understanding and knowing, hey, wow, that person is just like, you know, my cousin or or this, that there are, are all different shades because it's 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 it is who we are. And the only way to totally present us, you know, while it is unfair that there are definitely a, a further leaning on the negative side than the positive side, I still feel that all sides need to be seen. And there's those are all things that we deal with, right? We all have you know, those cousins and family members who it's, you know, 
wow, y'all are hood as all get out. And like, you don't even understand or see the other side. Like, but they're there and, and it is entertaining. It doesn't mean so, that it needs to be the sole focus. So but, I think so it goes we, back to the point we had when we were talking about Monique and you know, you kind of airing your dirty laundry out there for the world to see and the position it kind of puts you in. I, 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 I'm with you fresh. Um, I don't really, I, that shows, those shows aren't for me. I can't consume that type of content. But I get it for its entertainment value, even though I will talk trash about it all day long with anybody who does, you know, watch it. But I get it. But when you think about the imagery that it puts out, um, and that's the difference between that and a blackish, where the whole goal of the show is to show how there's a there's a there's a middle ground, you know, like I am the successful black man, but I do still have elements from my culture where I like to have a banging ass shoe collection. Like I got J's on top of J's. So and it, and it, it mixes it really well. And then I, I know they put a lot of different messages in there. Um, so I think that's that's the thing with with this, with those uh, with those shows. Uh, BJ, I'm sorry, I cut you off, go ahead. I was gonna say that to deal with it, I think go back to what Kay mentioned a few minutes ago, that about in our culture, the art, excuse me, life will then imitate the art. So I saw the question I got, I guess I'm stuck with and I guess that I deal with when I'm thinking about this is that, so we talk about the mainstream majority culture that art is imitating life because they're in that mindset. Can we say that their perception, because that's their perception, they believe that art is imitating life for us. And that's, that leads to a lot of the negative perceptions. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you said it earlier, think back to UM, the number of people that we met, of white people that we met, that they said, this is the first time I've seen a black person. Black person. person. Yeah. yeah. Very you true. Know what I mean? so, so for some of them, their only exposure to us is what they see on TV and in videos and the music that they hear. They think that that's the life that we're living. So, and they said they believe the art is imitating life. Okay. Yeah. Easy. So that's another conversation. Okay. Yeah. That's another conversation. Tune in next week. <laughs> yes, tune in next week with a guy. I guess we gotta kinda wrap this up, man. We uh been running a little long this morning. Um I wanna I wanna go to you, Mike, before we get out of here, man. I know you gotta get ready to go and everything, but how about them Browns, baby? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what did they do? I heard that they made Oh, it was it was it, it was it was 30 minutes of pure enjoyment. They <laughs> actually showed that they are now an NFL team. Right. It was in the management it, office. They not playing high school football. They stole our our um wide receiver down they, here. They got rid yeah. of their, their high school athletic director and exactly. they got a real GM. He wasn't even a high school athletic director. Them dudes was like elementary school kickball coaches. Wow. <laughs> it was so bad. So they got they 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 got Jarvis Landry, they got Tyrod Taylor, and they got a cornerback from the Packers. They got rid of Deshaun Kaiser without touching any picks. They still got all their picks, man. Still got all their picks. And like it made sense. It was like, hey, we're not the butt of anyone's jokes for the next 30 minutes. Ah. <laughs> well, I mean, they had a whole lot of money to work with. They had the but most they cap room out of any. They've had the whole lot of money to work right. for yeah, the last five years. And what makes it even worse, they haven't touched any of the money yet. So it's like, you haven't touched the money, you haven't touched the picks, and you got better. Like, you can actually look at their roster and say, hey, you may actually win 
a game. I think they got six in them right now with Tyrod Taylor at the quarterback. And they're going to draft a quarterback uh, to push him and ultimately get him, uh, I guess, you know, that, that that rookie to be the starter. So hey, We'll see, man. Hey, listen, winning is a culture. That's all I got to say. Boy, they got rid of they got this thing now. The Browns got a decent defense. Yeah, it looks like I said before, they ain't get blown out a whole lot last yeah, year. It's not, it wasn't they, got our, they got our man Duke Johnson out there, man. Playing oh, Duke. Duke, out, Duke out there and somebody else too up there. Um and Joku. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And Joku yeah. at a tight end. He's a he's a beast. So I'm I'm looking forward to the NFL when it gets back. When it gets all back. they gotta do is pay Duke. They pay Duke, we all good. He should be getting paid this offseason. So nice. get your money, Duke. Get your money. They got it. Get your money. You know money. Mr. Crypto Fresh, I'm coming to you for this week's Crypto Bitty, man. What you got for me? Uh, another uh, insanely interesting week in crypto. We had a, ha- a hack, excuse me, on one of the largest exchanges, uh, Binance Exchange. But what was interesting about the hack was that the hackers actually got trapped. So there were systems in place within the Binance Exchange to already kind of prepare and be alerted if any type of interesting uh, transactions went on. And so essentially the hackers tried to execute. They were actually on the back end kind of trapped in this endless circle of transactions that never really uh, went through, but it did create a lot of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt within the crypto space that saw the markets go red for quite some time today we are feeling that bounce back so it's been really awesome you know me personally when the market is red i try to bring out the shopping bag and put a little more trinkets inside of it i think um also i always tell you guys about cliff high um so i finally have a real description of what it is that these reports bring it is an asymmetric linguistic trends analyst intelligent report and so this guy takes the 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 the, the frequencies in, in in digital you know um, space that he is literally finding trends in in what's going on in um, generates different analysis based off the trends that he is seeing in um, literally like like cyberspace. It's 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 wild listening to this guy talk, and it's even. Wilder reading his report and seeing not just the growth of the crypto space, but it also explains um, potential trends and what might happen just period in the world and in, in political interactions, things based around, you know, finances and all other stories. Again, the guy's name is Cliff High. His report is um, at halfhuman.com, but he's definitely per and projecting some interesting moves within the crypto space. A lot of the ICOs, so the initial coin offerings, a lot of the um, smaller coins and businesses that are out there are going to begin to, well, not I won't even say begin, they are already starting to get washed away and, and um, blacklisted as more regulations and more spotlight is brought into the crypto space. But as it's going along, we're going to see it really weed down to a lot smaller group of the you know top tier cryptocurrencies and businesses but the growth is going to be astronomical over the rest of this year and there's going to be some really interesting things that should happen come summer um not just in crypto but from what this guy's predicting like these are going to be some humanity changing 
things should be happening by the time summer happens as far as with weather, discoveries. This is totally outside of cryptocurrency. This is just what's supposed to happen over the next three to six months. So um, after reading the report again, I'm very excited to see how much of what he says and he's predicted things like the market crash that just happened at the beginning of the year. He predicted the influx um, at the end of last year. So there's a lot of key moments that he's been able to bring to light based on his, um, again, whatever, I'm not fully understanding what is the, you know, the, the realm that he travels in or, or you know, was getting this, these statistics from how he truly draws it. But I know there's a lot of attention, on, a lot of attention on it and a lot of opportunity. So as always, I tell you guys, do your own research, but I definitely encourage you check out the website, CryptoWithFresh.com. Check out Cliff High. Get more involved in understanding cryptocurrency past just being a digital dollar and really see the true investment it is in you and your children's future. Holla at your boy, Crypto Freeze. Get with your boy. Hey, gentlemen, man, it's been a great show. Um, I want to go ahead and wrap this thing up. But before we do that, got a shout out. You know, it's Women's History Month, and I want to end this thing right by giving us uh, uh, or honoring, I guess, a, a very, very, very influential woman in Black women's history, Sheila Crump Johnson. Anybody already familiar with her? No? All right. So Sheila Johnson was uh, co-founder of uh, CEO of BET. Now, this woman, she uh, she's a co-founder of BET, CEO of Salamander Hotels and Resorts. So next time you go on vacation, make sure you check that out. She's the first African-American woman to attain a net worth of a billion dollars. And really? I was reading her background and everything. Um, she's pretty amazing, man. And everything that she achieved as a woman being married, split with her husband at some point, but everything she's achieved as a woman and success she's seen, she's definitely worth looking into. She's a, um, I think she's a partial owner with the Wizards. So uh, next time I go to the game, I'll be uh, looking for her. Let me get them box hey, seats. Hey, I know that's you know right. Me? I know um, that's right. But yeah, definitely want to highlight Sheila Crump Johnson and her, her uh, <laughs> her entertainment life and into the society and the culture. Um, you guys got anything you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, Black Panther about to hit a billion dollars today. Speaking of a billion dollars, exactly. Black Panther. Um, it, it's just so awesome. You know, uh, such a great movie really in itself, but then also just the growth and attention. I just hope it continues to, uh, you know, snowball affect the outreach of the other, you know, how much they can impact media and, and, and entertainment in a whole. I saw, um, again, I was watching the Sin, Sinbad Breakfast Club interview and he spoke about Lupita was on Trevor Noah's show on The Daily Show and wants to actually do um, Trevor Noah's life tell mm -hmm. and she wants to play Trevor's mother. And it's the, the beauty of she can't. You know, and now she she has the power and the 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 um, merit to be able to do that and bring that to life and make it happen. I just hope that um, this momentum continues on. Another group, the Waynes brothers. I saw Damon Waynes on the Breakfast Club and Marlon Waynes on the Breakfast Club, and I think there definitely needs to be a, a documentary about the Waynes. If you really think, oh, about absolutely, how much I love that show growing up. 
that there is there is so much that they have done if you and, and even like you think about a keenan with like a, i'm gonna get you sucker and things of that nature that they're it terrible it's it's uh damon wayne's story was interesting listen to him how he quit saturday night live like on air know. pretty much like just totally went off they fell on it that there's a lot of history out there that i just hope again the momentum continues to roll to where we get uh, uh, you know, continue to uh, increase the amount of all black media that we're getting and that it isn't just, you know, the love and hip hops that mm-hmm. get uh, notoriety, but that we, we continue to grow the uh, advancement of us as a people in the in the eyes and just in the general, just like we've been talking about, you know, that general perception of us that people understand that it isn't odd you know for a black man to not have a bunch of nikes and you know has never smoked a blunt and has never you know like i don't want it to be typecast for any way like we are all encompassing of all things easy easy uh something else i want to do man definitely want to shout out prayers and condolences to jay and his family um, just lost a loved one. Um, she's gone on to a better place. Jay, we miss you, bro. We're praying for your family um, to be strong throughout this uh, transition, as I, we like to call it. Um, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, make sure you log on. Uh, I'm sorry. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Get what else? We on Apple iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. We are in, what's that thing called? Spotify. We on Spotify. So get your listens up, man. Subscribe. Let us know what you think. Um, what else we got? What else we got? That's it. Coach K, you, you you closing this thing out for us? I guess so. What I would challenge our family, um, especially our Brown family, look, maybe you don't follow me on social media. <laughs> Please hold. Hey, One man, second. while he's out here giving that good discipline, you know what I'm saying, that Asher, check my man coach k out um we've been talking about it a lot uh carol Cadillo llc i gotta start calling you the maestro if you need somebody that is going to align the music to your life align everything check him out carol Cadillo llc he's up and running now got clients booming um check him out get with him he's going to help you do some amazing things with your life also continue to follow my man jay dace encourages um as he goes to try 52 throughout the rest of the year Okay, we back on you. Yeah, what I was going to say, family, look, we're a very prideful group. We don't like to expose our weaknesses, our opportunities. I want you all to understand, between, between slavery and civil rights, that was 349 years of our whole experience here in America. That means that we've only had 50 years post-civil rights where we've been... Just run it. Thing, so you might as well just end it and just. There it. <laughs> there it is, man. Make sure you check us next week. We didn't get to it this week, but we're gonna start. We're gonna be starting next week's podcast off with the pressures from the husband perspective, man. Because I got questions and I need answers from all my successfully married men on this podcast. So check us next week. We're gonna get. We ain't get got no answers. I said it's just successful. <laughs> That's just like asking, no. Can you Mike, help me figure out a lady? Mike. Mike got twenty years in. So. He'll he'll have to leave. Uh, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of experience, man. On the other side, Saturday of this. morning. <laughs> I said, "Now we're at the house, right?" <laughs> right. Vaughn, you got to go running or something, man. Right. 
Uh, take Michael to the batting cages, please. Right. Easy. We up out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for listening to us here on the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. The 13th floor. The 13th floor.